And this is a brand new series. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. We are uh, following a new fascination, a new obsession, and we invite you to join us on this journey. Yeah. This time, we're talking about power couples. couples. Um, So this is a dark and twisted world. Of yeah. people who love each other. People who love to each other, people who come together in a strategic way, in a way that is brought by chance. Yeah. Uh, fortuitous matching. We're um, talking about mutually beneficial relationships by people who can stand on their own two feet, but are stronger together. Like, they would be enough on their own if, Dianu, if they were single... Dianu. Dianu? What is that? It would have been enough. It's like a Hebrew thing. It's like a prayer. It's like, they'll be like, oh God, like if you only gave us one ocean, Dianu. I don't know if that's (laughs) it, but it's like, you say it on Passover. (laughs) It would have been enough. It would have been enough, but you gave us so much more. Wow. Yeah. I love that attitude. It's a can-do attitude. It is a can-do attitude. It's gotten us out of a lot of jams. You know, I remember I was on an airplane once and there was a family that was, uh, it was a large family, a husband and wife. They were like a sexy pair, like in their mid forties. And then I do too. Kids, like I want to say age 11 and under, maybe four of the kids. And, uh, they were passing out snacks and like toys and stuff. And one of the kids started to whine a little bit and the mom was like, Hey, you get what you get and you don't get upset. (gasps) You know what? I went to high school with a girl who was very positive. She played Anne Frank in our school play. She was um, a great actress and always happy. And that was her senior quote. You get what you get and you don't get upset? And it was from her mother, who was a kindergarten teacher. I That was the first time on this plane that I had heard somebody say that. Yeah. That exact phrase. And I was like, that's so good. Because it rhymes. Yes. It's sticky, as they say. <laughs> it is. It stuck with me all this time. <laughs> and it's uh, true. It's very true. It's good to remember. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And you know what? That couple on the plane, to me, they were a bit of a power couple. I think, like, every couple is a power couple. I mean, you have to be. That's the whole... That's like, you know, you're stronger together. When you're getting together, you always feel like you're a power couple. And yes. then, whether that... Turns out to be true. Time will tell. Time will only tell. Yeah. But, you know, so I think a good example of a power couple that we're not going to talk about might be um, Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker. Definitely. Or Michelle and Barack Obama. Yes. Great. Um, I did want to talk about them. I, oh. There was a time when we considered them. We'd love to talk about them. 
They're they are interesting. They they're really so should. inspiring and they're so sweet and they're so And they're they definitely like came they had a strategic coming together. Yes, and I also believe they truly deeply love each other. They truly deeply love each other and they truly deeply respect each other. And you can tell that they get freaky together. I think they're like the ultimate power couple. They are the ultimate power couple. Well, you know maybe what? We maybe we should. Well, we need a cuz we're going to need a pick me up because we are going on a dark journey. It will be dark. It will be twisted. It will be terrifying. <laughs> it will also be fun and romantic. Also be very romantic and beautiful and make you horny. As all things, as all things ultimately do, ultimately should. Yeah. That's my criteria for anything I like. Yeah, bear that in mind. Horny. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm, this is a great segue into me talking about Shel Silverstein for a second. Okay. A children's poet who definitely makes me horny. Does he? He's hot. He looks like um, Brett Gelman. Mm, no. Brett Gelman's hot. N- not how I'm thinking about Brett Gelman and not how I'm thinking about Shel Silverstein. They're like on opposite ends. Well, Brett Gelman's a character actor. He's playing <laughs> a character. He's... Okay, anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to take you off track. Okay, I, so The Shel image that I'm picturing of uh, Shel Silverstein is the one where he's playing guitar and the point of view of the camera is like down by his foot and his foot is like looming in the frame and he's like back by and he's got his guitar and he's like got his little bald head. Quentin. He Tarantino is. Tarantino over here. Very much. I, I thought you were going to say Quentin Crisp. I was like, yes, yes. No, 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 no. I just meant that you're like talking about a guy's foot. Um, yeah, okay. but oh, but anyway, uh, the, um, the story of the uh, big O and the missing piece, do you know the story? Uh, remind me because I don't know. It's a great little fable. Uh, it's about a, uh, a triangle that's going around trying to find its perfect match. And it's trying to find a circle that has a, a hole that will fit it. And it, uh, you know, it's about relationships. Like the triangle like finds a wedge in a circle and it, they think that they're like perfect for each other, but then they can't, it doesn't, they can't roll. Like they're looking, they're shapes and they're looking to find the right combination so that they can like roll together. Yeah. But like in the process of trying to find his perfect mate, like as he's been roll, like trying to get around, he's rounded out his edges and he's become his own perfect circle. Oh my God. And then the other, like, and then he finds another circle and it's like oh we don't need to fit into each other like we just exist and like we can be together without trying to you know like ham fist our ways into each other that's beautiful it's a really beautiful story doesn't that make you horny for (laughs) shell i like this picture of him wearing a little hat he's cute let me see what you got i like this picture of him hang on yeah he's cute yeah. Okay. Well, I thought it was cute in that picture. I don't know. He's got a bit of an underbite. He. He's got a big, a bit of an underbite, I don't know, maybe and he's I'm got wrong some here. big. He's got very big teeth. Yes, he does. I kind of like that. He's a bit Cro Magnum in that picture. There's a. I mean. <laughs> Do you find? Are, are you finding the one that I mentioned? No, I'm finding like. I think that I might be wrong now that I'm looking at this. <laughs> I think the sidewalk, as it turns out, has ended. <laughs> it ends right here, folks, the, on the experts. <laughs> that's right. But uh, no, these are none of the people that we're talking about tonight. No, tonight we're talking about two people who are um, 
alive, alert, in love, married. And they themselves are a bit of a living poem. One is tall and one is small. (laughs) (laughs) They're both rich. They have it all. Oh my God, Irene. I didn't know you had the skill set of being a poem. Of being a little, I've got my own touch of the silver steam. I guess so. The silver tongue. <laughs> um, We're talking yes, about um, one uh, half of another power couple. You know what? They both are halves of other power couples and they've come together. We're talking about uh, yeah. Mary Kay Olsen and Olivier Sarkozy. Yeah. So is his other half... His brother? His half-brother, yeah. That's, His half-brother. Yeah, Nicholas, the... Um, Former president of France. Yeah, married yeah. to um, the Carl better Bernie. version of Melania, Carl yeah. Bruni. Yeah. Okay, Olivier Sarkozy... 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 Was born in 1969, the summer of love, May That's 26. Beautiful. What does that make him? Do you so know astrology? that... Oh, May? I have no idea. I only know my own, which is really narcissistic. No, I don't know it either. That's 12 things to learn, right? I can't learn that. Some people know it all. Some people do know it all. And I don't. That, 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 like, everybody needs to share the load when it comes to knowledge acquisition. Thanks. Like that's, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Somebody else can know about the astrology stuff. I will. I'll, I can know about Joan of Arc or whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, let's see. May birth sign. Spirth sign? Is that what it's called? Spirth? Birth? Yeah. Um, Star sign. Star sign. Astrology sign. Sign of the zodiac. I don't, I mean, like, I don't know any of my, like, romantic partners ever. I don't know any of it. You don't know your current partners? No. I ask him all the time because I want to look it up. (laughs) I I believe mine is a Taurus. Okay, and I'm well, a Virgo, and I guess that they are compatible. Compatible. Okay, well, this yeah, guy was a almost Taurus. a Taurus. My my boo is a true Taurus. Mine is like, <laughs> I know what he is. What is he? No, what Brian is is a Scorpio. But ooh, like my sister. Yeah. Oh, he, oh my God. What? Okay, they're both Gemini. They're both Gemini's. This is what we've discovered. Okay. Olivier Sarkozy, born uh, May 26, 1969, a very erotic year. He is a Gemini. Yeah. And then Mary-Kate, a famous twin, is also a Gemini, which we know because we watched a video of her telling Oprah that. Yeah. She was uh, very interested. What we saw of the Oprah interview with the Olsen twins was very interesting and i thought enlightening they said a lot with what they were not revealing they played a newlywed type game where they both had to hold up signs one said one side said me the other side said her that was the ellen one oh but you know what they asked the same questions who's messier who's nicer yeah who's Um, funnier who's a better singer who's a better dancer like come on research team it doesn't matter it doesn't doesn't matter. matter the truth it matters what they think June 13th, 1986, the shining twins of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen were brought into this twisted, dark, perverted world in Sherman Oaks, California to Jarnett and Dave. Jarnett also goes by Jarney. 
She's a personal assistant. He is a mortgage banker. Yeah. And so at this point, Olivier is, I guess, in France. But they were, they were, they always lived in France. Yeah. And you get the sense that Olivier is a bit of a, um, like a roused about. Yeah. He's the uh, Prince Harry of the Sarkozy well, brood. That's, well, you want to be the Prince Harry of yeah. the brood. Of course. Yeah. You've got the power, but you don't have the responsibility. That's right. Well, he certainly didn't become a head of state like his brother, but his half brother. And apparently they weren't raised together. They only became friends as adults. So French. Very French. I think it's very French to say that you and your brother became friends instead of that you like <laughs> developed a relationship or something. Yes. Um, so he's 17 when... Um, Mary-Kate is born. And at nine months old, Mary-Kate and her twin sister, Ashley, of course, begin acting in the seminal television extravaganza known as Full House. It's TGIF, baby. Yeah. So they're only nine months old. That means that they truly have no memories not being famous. Yeah. God, I don't remember anything about being nine months old. No. I mean, I don't think that anybody has any memories before, like, at least two years. Yeah. Um. And those are like fragmented, weird memories. Like most memories, I think like full memories are like three. My earliest memory was um, my father explaining to me how Wheel of Fortune worked. Really? Yeah. I remember I was crawling on the floor acting like a cat. And he explained to you how Wheel of Fortune worked? Yeah. I think I was like on the ground purring or something. And I was like, what's this show? And he's like, they spin a wheel. And oh, my God. <laughs> he has letters. Mine is because I got my head stuck in a fence trying to look at a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Little kids are so funny. I wish it was because I was like someone was explaining how something worked to me. But nope. I uh, have a, from the same period, I have a very vivid memory of, um, I had an imaginary friend and her, her I did too. You did? Yeah. My girl's name was Magrita. What Mine was, was named Masas. <laughs> Maybe Magrita and Masas are I mean, like running around together. They both have M names. They do. That's really weird. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's not enough discussion of, imaginary friends no um i i have a very vivid memory of magrita and i playing hide and seek uh from my parents my parents were not aware that we were playing the game uh-huh. and we found a really great hiding space and i remember like playing this game with her which just shows how like unformed my sense of reality was yeah and uh, i was small and we hid under the chair in the living room and i remember being like flat on the ground talking to magrita while my parents were like running around the backyard, like screaming my name and be like, we really got him this time. And I remember they were going to call the police. Holy shit. You were really good at hiding. I was really good at hiding. And I like, well, because I had a friend, I was like under the chair with a friend. Yeah. I was safe. We were talking. You we, were just hanging out. You yeah. were busy. I was busy with my friend. <laughs> yeah. Who apparently was in my dreams in my, my mind. Uh, and then I remember jumping out triumphantly being like, here I am. Aren't I a good hider? And I'm sure it was one of those like, grab him by the shoulders like don't you ever do that again yeah and you were like i'm in the middle of something (laughs) i'm like uh okay but can you please praise me for being really good at this thing that you didn't know i was doing but no alas i feel like there were a lot of things that i did as a child that i thought i should be praised for that i was punished for instead i feel like that is the that's like the song of childhood yeah 
Um, the Maybe Shel Silverstein will write a poem about that from the grave. <sighs> he wrote a he wrote enough good poems about being a child. Yeah. Um, do Does you he think, have a problematic? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. I really don't think so. Um, I think he's better than a lot of the other, like Roald Dahl, you know, was an anti-Semite yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever. I still like him. Um, but do you th- see, I, if I were Mary Kate and Ashley, I would have been like, they must have never had imaginary friends because they had each other the entire time. Like they were together so much. I think that's, I, I'm not a twin and all I know of twins comes from like Dean Koontz books mm-hmm. and, um, like popular culture. But uh-huh. I, that is definitely how I envision twinning well they also uh i mean we're just obviously like packaged together like they immediately became a product that were sold as like a set and yeah even no matter what you know they were always together i mean they there are a lot of pictures of them together at least yeah and you know, they want like uh, television shows or movies always want to cast twins because especially children, um, you you want to have two because like their working hours are so much shorter because labor laws are so intense. Um, yeah. It's, you know, you can like do double shifts with them. Yeah. Uh, and then if one is like having a bad day, the other can sub in. It, so it just like was also serendipitous and fortuitous that the two of them ended up with this job and becoming little America sweethearts. Yeah. And that was how they, I mean, they played one character on full house. Her name was Michelle named Michelle. My sisters called the show, the Michelle show. I think that was a common thing. I think Michelle was sort of like the breakout character. Yeah. It was like, we're going to watch Michelle. Yeah. Just like we watched Urkel. It was like, yeah, Urkel and Michelle were the yeah, two. Yeah, those were the shows that we watched. Yeah, great shows. Great my program. mother thought that Michelle looked like a troll doll. So did mine. My mother literally said, tro- and she also, my mother also hated troll dolls. Same. And she thought they were so ugly. They were so ugly and so stupid. And I twisted her arm and I, fi- I got two out of her that I'll always remember. A red hair one and a rainbow hair one. <laughs> But I wanted all the tro- like I thought trolls were cool. I thought Mary Kate and Ashley were cool. I thought the whole thing was cool. And she was like, this is not good. No, that's so interesting that both of our mothers were hating on these little children. I think it's because they had their own children that were close to the same age and they felt like that gave them license to talk shit about other kids. <laughs> Don't you think also that that was a time where like children weren't so precious? Yeah. Where you could like make fun of a kid on TV being ugly. Oh, I mean like Rush Limbaugh's whole career in the 90s was making fun of Chelsea Clinton's looks. Oh my God, that's true. Um, But you could talk shit about, I mean, you could talk shit about children. You could talk shit about women. You could say things that you just can't say anymore about yeah. people's looks in general. It was a much more brutal time out there. Yeah, it was a hateful time. I think, yeah, and it was worse than it was in, like, the 60s or something, where at least people had, like, people felt like there was a sense of decency. Yeah, and community and, like, a bright future. Yeah, and, like, I'm sure they said way worse things in private, but in public they would not. Yes. Yeah. So all of this is the backdrop to uh, young Mary Kate. Uh, growing up um, in this like very intense uh, television world and in 1990 Olivier Sarkozy he's 21 years old Um, he's been kind of freewheeling up until this point and he becomes an investment banker at a firm 
called Dylan Reed and Company, which is based out of New York. Yeah. Um, so he is also at around this time, um, Mary Kate and Ashley Olson's parents, when they're, I think like three form their LLC slash production company, which is called dual, dual star. star. And that's going to be really important because that is like, that's, uh, how they market all of their branding. That's how they do all their, uh, their, their clotheslines, their videos, their whatever the hell they sell, toys that look like them. Like, it's all through this company. Um, and eventually, I, I kind I think that, like, what they end up doing, like, what they're doing now is, like, still kind of, like, a manifestation of that company. Yeah, they really, uh, the parents were like real intense stage parents and they really like capitalized on this moment that yeah. their children were having, uh, having and um, like in in retrospect, uh, that was, it seems like that was like a very oppressive, like pretty maybe awful way to grow up, but uh, at the same time also allowed them to amass this outrageous fortune and kind of set them up for their lives as like moguls yeah they sort of had this it sort of set them up for like a ton of success also because i don't know how true this is but they say they were always like being told about business deals and they were always a part of it and things were being explained to them i think they were exposed to a lot of very grown-up decisions and at least being informed of what was going on from an early age, which I mean, I don't know. I feel like that can only be good for you in a certain aspect. Maybe it kind of makes you a, like a business robot, but I think it's good, a good education. I don't know. Yeah. And there it's, it's interesting to think about them too. Like in the era before like mass branding, I think that it's very, um, you know, it's so common now for people to think of themselves as brands. Like it's sort of a second nature thing. And in this time period, like the late night, late eighties to, you know, end of the, um, like last century people like it, I, I think that people didn't really think of themselves in those terms. And uh, these girls were branded, marketed, promoted in a way that is very contemporary to where we are right now. Yeah, I think they kind of started it. I mean, there's this um, article I read with the co-founder, this guy named Robert Thorne, who was like the co-founder of uh, Dual Star. And he... I mean, not to jump ahead, but eventually they bought him out. But right like immediately after he was like this hot ticket guy because he um, because of what he had done with Mary Kate and Ashley. And they sort of invented the idea of like celebrities being brands. And they had this huge Walmart line of clothes and the videos, the songs like they owned everything. And they and like just that putting your face on a product would make a ton of money um it was kind of and he says in this article that it was before there wasn't anything to look at um as a model at the time save for maybe martha stewart who was doing like you know i think she maybe she had her kmart line at the time i'm not sure yeah martha stewart one of america's greatest stoners she's so amazing uh i came across this uh just truly 
outrageous quote from the father of the twins, Dave Olson from 1991. He says about his daughters, quote, they're just kind of funny. <laughs> they were almost like chimpanzees when they were little. You just dress them up and they're fun. I guess they're just photogenic. That's how I talk about BB. <laughs> <laughs> that she's like a little like dancing monkey for you. Well, I mean, he's my pet. I mean, I think he's I a just dog. misgendered BB and I'm very it, sorry. It happens all the time. It's because he's so cute. Yeah. He looks like a girl and he's got those pigtails. Poor BB. Hi, BB. That's all right, BB. Um, Okay, so yeah. we're cruising through the early 90s. Uh, I mean, the girls yeah. are just like being workhorses. They are going through their childhood. They're growing up on television. And at the same time, Olivier is kind of muddling through this financial um, career that it seems like has been set up for him. Mm-hmm. I really get the sense that he's, you know, doing what he's like supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, he is, he's a banker I think at heart like he I don't think that he's I don't think that he feels trapped by this world or anything like that necessarily I think that he definitely um he obviously comes from a very successful family um do you watch succession yeah I get the sense that he's like a Kyrian Culkin um more than the other guy (laughs) uh who the Alan Ruck character the no the the wait is that the other brother the brother who with the um the uh prostitute girlfriend who he's like uh maybe you'll learn to love me wait that's kieran right no kieran colkin is the one who um he's like the young guy he like jerks off uh, yeah in front of the window that's the one that you think is like sarkozy yeah oh interesting who do you think it is yeah no i think he's like the alan ruck one yeah (laughs) because he's like because nicholas is the one who like you know kind of made the family proud yeah do you think nicholas is who's nicholas well he's like the he's like siobhan yeah and then i don't know who else is in the family but he's like the one who's like good and then i don't think there's a kieran because kieran is like too hot and cool is he hot to you? Yes. <laughs> I think that his flirtation with the um, his dad's secretary is very hot. I think so, too. And I think when I watched that, I was like, oh, this is the kind of perverted shit like only women can come up with. Yeah, that's a good point. Because only. Yeah, it's like I was thinking that, too, that like we're finally seeing different types of stories about what kind of relationships might exist exactly. other than like. I feel like if that movie or that TV show was made 10 years ago, he would just be like fucking some hot secretary. And yeah, that would so much better. It's so much weirder. It's weirder. It's, it's grosser. It's, it's more like, like it's so perverted. It's it tells so like you folded in on itself so much more about the character. Both of the characters. You're like, what's going on the way it happens. And that it's like, so minor and it only happens sometimes and you're like oh right they're gonna do this now yes and (laughs) we're if you haven't seen the show it's not really a spoiler but there is like a very palpable sexual tension that is explored in um 
unexpected ways yeah. uh, between Kirian Culkin and his father's secretary who's like in her 50s. And to make it even more perverted, like from a three-dimensional way, that actress is Kenneth Lonergan's wife. And she has known Kirian since he was like a teenager because Kirian Culkin has been in a lot of Kenneth Lonegren's plays. Oh, and really? Yeah. I saw him in a, a production of This Is Our Youth with oh, Michael really? Sarah and Tavi Gavinson. Oh, oh yeah. I remember and when they like did, when Tavi Gavinson was doing that. Yeah. 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 That was probably really good. It was great. I yeah. love, I was thrilled. Yeah. I, I that sounds good. <laughs> I loved that Tumblr play. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, in 1993, Olivier is 24 years old, and our uh, sweet little um, Mary Kate is. She's like six. full force. She's like six years old? She's six. And so this is like kind of the height of her. Well, not the height, but like they like. She's the star of the show. Yeah, and they reach this sort of peak and then they stay there for a really long time yeah because then they're doing their like Olsen twin mysteries uh because uh Full House ends in 1995 yeah but they're still doing weird like and this is all shit that I wasn't super familiar with but they were doing like weird videos tv movies di i'm sure disney channel stuff like i don't yeah, know they're like, like home video market yeah they really like revolutionized the uh that like branding and like cross promotion with um products and videos and yeah they were uh extremely active and very prolific and it just like added to their fortune yeah to this company that was just like getting like growing and growing in value and yeah and in the midst of all of this their father dave uh he's been philandering around with their secretary her name is mick kenzie, kenzie? <laughs> <laughs> mckenzie mckenzie thank you <laughs> and um according to reports uh contemporary for the time mary kate attended the wedding of her father and his secretary mckenzie while Ashley stayed home comforting their weeping mother. So, you know, this is all with a grain of salt, but I feel like that's kind of what they did. Like, they were always sort of, I feel like it's very strange that they started their career like, oh, this is perfect because there are two of you, so you can do more work. And then as they grow up, it's like that like morphed into their family relationship and their family dynamic. Like one can go to the wedding and one can stay home with the mom. Yeah. Well, and it's like that it's uh two places at once. Exactly. And it's like, there's one for each parent. There's one to like comfort each parent. They're both doing um, a certain amount of like emotional labor for yeah. their family. Like they're still working for their family. They're like still being employed by their parents, but they're, it's like this kind of, personal manipulative like you know one has to support the dad one has to support the mom and it's sort of like on the one hand I part of me would like you know sometimes you're like oh god I wish there were two of me <laughs> but then also it's sort of like not fully valuing them as individuals if they're like well you know one is staying home and one is coming with 
coming to the wedding. It's like it it smooths out so many different problems because it's like, I don't know. There's just something very like easy about it, but also very sad about that story. Yeah. To, about them, you know, because what if they both wanted to go or what if neither of them wanted to go? Yeah. And it's like, but both parents require, you know, attention and care and. I, I don't know. I think that the impression that I've gotten by the Olsen twins um, kind of from the beginning is that they've been sort of like forced into a very adult world and they've had to take on responsibilities that they probably shouldn't have to for their age. And this is another example of like, you know, them serving other people and not themselves like not Mm -hmm. to jump ahead but to think about like the um isolation and like the uh privacy that they have demanded in their adult life like it makes perfect sense to me they gave everything away when they were kids like it was like given away on their it was taken basically from them from them yeah which is sort of true about all child stars i don't know like did you see Honey Boy? Not yet. No. I didn't either. I'm I'm not. I wasn't going to say anything about it. But I just, I do. I went to, he was in my acting class though when I was a kid. LaBeouf? Yeah, he was. He was um, already working and he was the only kid I ever saw with a cell phone. Wow. Because this was like in the 90s. That's very fancy. He was fancy. But um, was he an artist back then? It, well, he an was, artiste? he was attending the Young Actors Studio, Strasbourg for Children. So yeah. Do you guys have to do Meisner? No, we did Strasbourg there. What is the... There's no crossover? They're different, like, schools. schools. Yeah. So Meisner, I think, is all about, like, the words, I believe. I never have really studied it, but I think that it's, like, all about, like, finding the intention and in the language. And um, the, the Strasbourg thing is all about... Um, basically doing these like weird psychological exercises so that you almost drive yourself to the point of insanity that you're like reliving and recalling like actual traumatic events to like bring up these emotions that you're trying to bring to the to the plays wow and it's kind of weird to do it as a child because you don't have you don't have yeah what are you drawing from yeah i didn't really have very much my experiences with magrita yeah exactly me and mossos (laughs) on the swing someone (laughs) sat on the swing when mossos was in it and i freaked out that's my (laughs) i mean but i (laughs) I mean gosh that's like yeah Yeah. invisibility is real well not for (laughs) mossos it's not real for her (laughs) Uh, okay. So, um, fast forwarding just a little bit by 2004, like these two young ladies have just been working their little heinies off. And did you say heiny when you were a kid? No. Did you? Yeah. 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 I said tukas or a tuki or a tushy. <laughs> Are you familiar with the word heiny? Your butt. Yeah. 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 We also said BM. For bowel, bowel movement. movement. We said that in preschool. Really? We were taught to say it by our um, school nurse. Like it was rude to say poop when we were little. I don't know about you, but it wasn't. It's like poop was kind home, of a bad like, word. Yeah. Poop wasn't like a. I guess it was just sort of. Um, yeah, it wasn't appropriate for school. At school, you said BM. <laughs> yeah, you say BM. Um, but also, why are you even saying that? Because you're like, I have to go BM. <laughs> it's like, can I just go to the bathroom? Do you have to know what's going on in there? Well, there was a lot of education and a very for me in early childhood about like 
hygiene. That's smart. That's good. And they talked about that's how Jewish people survived the plague. That's true. But this was in a this was in school. Yeah. Which was secular. I well, I mean, my knowledge of this is just based on books I've read about the plague. I didn't realize that, but that's nice. Yeah. Well, um, I'm just a little stone cold freak for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did you see that there were some occurrences of the plague, the Black Death in I, um, Beijing? Oh, no, really? Yeah, the Chinese government is really downplaying the effect. But they were saying, like, uh, there's, like, conflicting reports. There were, like, a couple cases at a hospital. And um, the government was like, oh, it's no big deal. But then somebody said, I went to the hospital. And they said, have you been in, like, interior China? Have you been to this region? Like, people were wearing Shit. masks. Yeah, I mean, things come back. So, wait, is there no vaccine? For the bubonic plague? Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. All I know about the plague is based in books that I read about the Middle Ages, so not entirely relevant. For example, I know that if you had an ancestor who had the plague recovered and then procreated, your DNA um, has been... Um, like you're a mutant, like your DNA mutated mm. and uh, surviving the plague makes your ancestors immune to the HIV AIDS virus. Seriously? Yeah. That's insane. It's insane. It's really weird. Yeah. There's like all this weird stuff like, uh, like that. That's and the Black Death, uh, I, I refer to it as the Black Death. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It uh, originated in China as I yeah, understand it. That was what, that was also my understanding of the Black Death. <laughs> <laughs> and then it passed through rats and it, it got the buboes so if your glands start swelling get thee to a doctor oh my god okay. but not a doctor with those beak doctors no. oh my god you know why those beaks are so long so they can't breathe it in no. yeah they put um like uh, essential oils like the beak is full of like um herbs and oils and really? stuff uh, just because of like the stench of the corpses and the death and everything that's what i want just for life but I would look scary, but I'd feel great. Yeah. I mean, it's all honestly, everyone else has to look at you. You just have to live like who cares? That's that's a good point. OK. 2004. Wow. The okay. twins are 18 years old. All right. So they're yes. So we skipped ahead a little bit. We did skip ahead. I mean, I skipped a little ahead a little bit earlier to this. Yeah, but it's good to, you know, we gave a little teaser. Um, the girls are 18 years old. They uh, have seized control of Dual Star. Yeah. And uh, the interview that we saw of the twins on Oprah, they uh, their father is in the audience and says that he gives them an allowance of $200 a week. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and they also have credit cards for expenses they can write off. The, it, it just seems like they're, you know, they were working to support the entire family. The father was like very controlling of this. I think that's like a pretty, like the, like Macaulay Culkin um, dealt with something similar with his father. I don't, yeah. I mean, I think that it's a very complicated topic because you're, having your children work for the family but if your children are bringing in that kind of money i don't know i mean i just think like don't do it like don't have your kids be actors <laughs> i don't yeah. know yeah or is that like, bad is that fucked up to no, say no, no i don't think that that's fucked up to say at all i think like 
it seems to me that things get really muddy when like people become their kids like managers yeah um like once your parents are on your staff it feels like it's like it just all gets so weird and so insular and it's i mean it's it's tough either way like it's it's just so tough either way i mean but it's like so yeah do your parents just take like 20 percent and then put the rest in a trust for you and then you get it all when you're 18 and then when you're percent well i would take more if i was their kid if i was their parent they're the agent and the manager and the publicist and it's your kid it's your dna that's out there getting those bucks i would take 20 percent for my kid i would take 90 percent um I'm you should do 10 10 kit colkin you should do 10 10 5 in a fair 10 10 5 yeah 10 for me 10 for you five for the government 10 for your agent 10 for your manager and five for your lawyer percent oh but i'm just saying if if it were my kid i would take 20 percent <laughs> well yeah i mean then you'd be a, you'd be a rich woman but is that it and then what what is fa- i don't know I don't know. I don't know. Because it's like also ridiculous. Like what if your kid is making all this money and you don't have a job at that point. You're just like taking your kid around to do all this stuff. And you're going to be like, all right, we're paupers until you're fucking 18. And then. And can decide how to. And then surprise you're a millionaire. Maybe that's the right thing to do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Have you, um, I, gosh, I can't remember what it is, but there, I, uh, oh, the, uh, the Gettys they raise their kids to like uh, to like think they're poor to think that they were poor and it wasn't until they were like much older that they realized that they were actually as wealthy as they were god that was like always my fantasy that there'd be like some surprise like oh god reading those books like a little princess fuck me up fuck when me up i was so a kid bad. i know me too it's just like there's there's like a way out somewhere All of children's literature did nothing but disappoint me and fuck me <laughs> up. <laughs> Peter Pan. Yeah. Wrecked me. Did you want to be a Wendy? Yeah. Oh, I want to be one of those little pirate boys. Oh, you did? Yeah. Or like a Tinkerbell. No. I wanted to just like some like little friend would come and be like, guess what? We can fly and go have fun. And I'd be like, yay. Yay. Let's go fly and have fun. But I don't think I really wanted to stay there. In 2004, the twins made their last movie together. It's called New York Minute, and it's co-starring Eugene Levy. Yeah, and I think that this movie was a bit of a flop. Yeah. Um, And also, this is the first movie and the only movie that they um, produced when they had full ownership of. Uh, dual star yeah because it seems like uh, right around this time they were also enrolling in NYU they were kind of growing up it was like what we were talking about they were moving on from their babysitters club to their world of danger and excitement NYU and they were their oversized clothes their Starbucks their they were getting sunglasses they were already kind of like showing signs of this yeah and it was time to move on it was and they did they sure did. Um, in 2005, Mary-Kate and Ashley bought out their dual star co-founder, Robert Thorne. Yeah. So this was when they like, so this was like a 2000. So technically, I think this happened in 2005, but it's the same thing as like them, like season control of the empire or whatever. Like they bought out this guy 
And he, this is just sort of like a side story, like immediately turned around and signed Hillary Duff. (laughs) (laughs) And um, as like a new branding client, and they came up with a line called Stuff by Hillary Duff. Stuff by Duff. Stuff by Duff. And like also like a fragrance line and like all this shit. And like he just like immediately, when he was like completely bought out from Dual Star, like he went and he turned and started to, um, he just like took his, like skill set into LA and started like branding all these young girls as products and Hills was the first one to sign up. That's right. And yeah. this is around the time that Mary Kate and Ashley start the row, their fashion company. Yeah. So this is like a huge change. So like they're leaving this guy, this like Walmart guy, mm-hmm. they're leaving this whole fucking shit behind. They still own dual star. I don't know if they still have that Walmart brand or whatever, the Walmart line, but they start the row, which is like this high end, high fashion line. The story goes, which is honestly the story for like everyone who starts a fashion line. So I don't know if this is true, but it's like, I think it was Ashley actually, but there's like Ashley decided that she wanted to create the perfect t-shirt and it's like Mm -hmm. don't they all want to create the perfect t-shirt and so she did and blah 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 and she sold it i think it i think they sold the entire line to barney's when they first the first year yeah they also allegedly made which may be true didn't like do any publicity for for it when they first for three years because they wanted it to kind of speak for itself uh but what they did do publicity for i believe was the line that they started the next year which was elizabeth and james yeah and that was that did that start as a fragrance the fragrance i think was like what kind of turned it around it was like the first okay. profitable thing that they did after they kind of moved on from the walmart line and the videos and kind and we're doing a more grown-up mature yes brand was this fragrance called nirvana which is um comes in a, you can get a black bottle which is like a woodsy scent or Ooh. you can get a white bottle which it's is a brighter a, flor- a brighter floral scent oh very nice which we saw on the ellen show we they did. chose to have two different uh fragrances b- because of the packaging <laughs> and ellen sprayed it in her mouth in a move that we both thought was very sexual and then she goes "Ooh, that is a feminine and then she sprayed more into her mouth yeah which i thought was you thought it was like a cunnilingus joke well i mean yeah right that's how i took it if you say this is feminine and put it in your mouth again yeah right um i always felt like their aesthetic was very in line with like that at that time there it's uh like the rachel zoe look was so it prominent. was very rachel zoe very boho yeah that like um oversized uh, yeah what are they uh what do they call it in front bobo the uh bohemian bourgeois, bourgeois yeah, yeah. The um, Nicole Richie, like very thin, very like big eyes, gentle frame, long hair, big sunglasses, fabrics that are just like hanging off their body. They're like turning in, you know, the accusation against Rachel Zoe is that she was um, making women meet her physical ideal so that they could wear her clothes. And I always kind of felt like Mary Kate and Ashley, their look at this time was very like of that like zeitgeist like milieu they like naturally sort of had that well they had the stature they were short and they were like they look like little dolls they looked like little dolls they're just small people so i feel like they weren't 
I mean, I feel like they sort of were that ideal. Yeah. Um, also during this time in 2004 is also when I was working at color me mine in Beverly Hills, which is a paint your own pottery studio. Which happened to be right down the street from Earth Cafe. Wow. Noted favorite of Mary Kate and Ashley. There were lots of paparazzi pictures of them taken <gasps> at that Earth How? Cafe. And occasionally. You were in them. I would see them. <laughs> I was never in one because I was two doors down selling vases. But I would occasionally see them. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So celebrity setting for me. I love it. That's good. You got a connection to Bobby Trendy. You got a connection to the Olsons. And Bobby De Niro. I have a connection to all of them. Wow. A sighting, a forced interaction. A feeling. A vibe. <laughs> You're right on the front lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. $100 million, uh, if, according to Forbes, the um, worth yeah, of their They're not empire. worth And I looked... I like was looking to find their net worth. There's this website called Celebrity Net Worth that I spend a lot of time on that just says like every celebrity's net worth. I love that website. Yeah. It said that their net worth was $400 million, but I also think that they are not usually correct. I think that they're, I don't know where they get their information and I don't think it's right, but I like to just like look at it and pretend that it's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, all, I, I love that. Um, this was the same year, 2007, that Nicolas Sarkozy became the president of France. As a matter okay. of fact, just to connect those two things. Um, uh, and I, uh, was in France during the presidential campaign and the night that he was elected. Really? Yeah. It was a, um, I was with a bunch of students and, uh, there was another candidate. Her name was Ségolène Royal and she was this like extraordinary, like ferocious liberal woman. And she, uh, there were all these, um, debates that she did in their uh their presidential process is a lot more truncated than ours so yeah. i was there for five weeks and i got to see this entire thing play out and um it was really fascinating to witness and the night that he won i remember being in this apartment with all of these like young parisian students and they were all expecting um, Royale to win, and she didn't. And it was like it was like the night that Hillary lost. Like everybody was crying and like holding each other. And uh, what I remember about that was, at the time, Sarkozy was married to a different woman. She was the mother of his children, and she had been having an affair with a British. Um, journalist and there were photos of him and they ran them in a French tabloid and Sarkozy bought the tabloid and published pictures of himself and his family like being so happy on the cover during this time and then when he won she was not on stage with him she was like fuck you like I remember uh that that is what I remember um and that when she eventually did join him, I feel like she was in her pajamas and she was very sullen. And I was like, wow, that's not how an American first lady would be. And shortly after he divorced her and then he married um, Carla Bruni like a month later. <laughs> wow. Yeah. French. I mean, I feel like whenever I read about politics in any other country, it's like super confusing. Yes. Um. So I was reading a little bit about him and I... I didn't really 
know much, but I did read like an op-ed in the New York Times from like around this time about his connections to this small town in Hungary where his grandparents were from. And I think that he's a quarter Greek Jewish. And it was the writer of the op-ed was just saying, I would love to remind Sarkozy of where he comes from when he campaigns on. Um, I think that it was like, he's just like kind of an anti-immigration, probably like Islamophobic type of person. Oh, totally. I feel like he's very like prototype, like he is to France, what George W. Bush was to us. I mean, I I, I don't know, like in terms of their war crimes, if they're similar, but in terms of like the conservative um, fervor that they were representing at the time, because Mm -hmm. when it, it, it was like, this is a shape of things to come. This is like bad news. This is like a very, like a bad omen of what's coming because also as soon as he was elected, the first world leader to call and congratulate him was George W. Bush. And I remember that being a huge indicator of like what kind of president he was going to be and like what this meant for France. He was like a French neocon. Yes, exactly. Well, okay. So yeah, I mean, this is definitely like a very conservative seeming family. Yeah. Um, And... Olivier doesn't exactly seem like a bleeding heart liberal. No, he um, doesn't. And um, so uh, one of the notes that you have on our doc that you also text me about is that in 2008, which is a significant year for Mary Kate, well, we can talk about that in a minute, but this is the year that Olivier Sarkozy is named co-head and managing director of the Carlyle Group. Yeah, so the Carlyle Group was... Um, so at the time they had already stopped doing business with, um, uh, it, not Lockheed Martin, uh, like United defense or something. They were made fine. They were made famous in the documentary Fahrenheit nine 11 because they are basically this, um, they basically invest in all these different companies and like buy out stocks in all these different companies and make a bunch of money. That's it. That's like kind of all they do. Mm-hmm. And they own, like, I think they are in the news right now. I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but they were the ones who ended up putting up the money for Scooter Braun to buy all of Taylor Swift's, like, albums, like, the rights to all of her music. Oh, wow. So they just, like, I mean, they do, they own tons of, like, media and, like, whatever, fast food restaurants, um, all different companies. And they also owned, like a defense uh, manufacturer that made a ton of money when we went into the Iraq war and um, certain people caught wind of that. And just that, you know, the Bush family and the bin Ladens were major investors in this company and made a ton of money off the, um, the Iraq war and like the wars that took place after September 11th shit yeah okay and like the morning of september 11th george hw bush and one of the bin ladens were like at a meeting for the carlisle group (gasps) like there was like a huge conference in new york um yeah so but you know the bin laden family is like always had like a lot of like financial partners like within the united states and 
Wow. Yeah. So um, anyway, but but at the time. So anyway, this like came out. This was like in this documentary. This became news. And the Bin Ladens had to like divest from all of this stuff. They had to leave. I'm not sure if H.W. Bush was still involved with the Carlisle group. But in any case, it's just like a super shady giant like financial corporation that is I'm sure filled with lots of shitty rich people. <laughs> um, and he was um, the, what is it? Like the managing director of it. Yeah. So he's a full blown capitalist. Like there's no, like we were talking earlier because we found out that he had his master's degree in med- medieval studies and yeah but that's all like lords and serfs you know i mean obviously he was like taking notes on i mean because he got a master's degree so he had to <laughs> he had to as a matter of fact he had to take notes yeah he had I'd to. i'd love to know what his thesis was about probably about how like great it is to fucking be the lord of be the, the manor. lord of the manor Ugh, revolting okay well, that's all speculation. We don't know, but I would be very interested if anyone wants to send us his... Um, if, if anyone has Olivier Sarkozy's... Um, thesis? <laughs> master's thesis? <laughs> on medieval history, I'm very curious. So, in 2010, the um, Olsen Patriarch uh, Dave files for bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> Patriarch Dave is bankrupt. Yeah, he's a little bankrupt bitch. And Mary-Kate tells Mary-Claire, mm-hmm. I would never wish my upbringing on anyone. Saying that uh, she and her sister were little more than little monkey performers. Which is what his her dad said. Yeah, yeah. Echoing a sentiment of her own father's. So it's fucked up. It's sad. And I think that, uh, you know, the girls have been kind of plagued with. I, I, I just feel like you see a kid grow up in the spotlight and there is sort of an assumption that they are um, damaged in some way, that they're fucked up in some way. And I feel like the public sort of waits for that the reveal of like like how how does this present itself and especially with the Olsen twins because they weren't um so performative and they weren't so exhibitionist about their like their whatever their trauma or dark side was the way that like especially during this period like Lindsay and Brittany and Paris like uh, Amy Winehouse there was such a display of like true young female despair um that the tabloid blog media was truly capitalizing on and these two were really like discreet about how they were interacting with that they were savvier they had more experience and they also maybe didn't have as much of a choice because it started for them so young and yeah. they got so successful so early. They didn't have any memory of wanting or striving for any of this. They they like kind of became aware in this world of having all of this attention. Yeah, and I feel like the um, there was always an assumption that like, oh, these girls are fucked up and there's like, you know, sort of this waiting, especially like the uh, blog culture at this time was truly just like fucked up and brutal. It was a really dark time. It was yeah. a very, very dark time. If you kind of, I mean, you, you look up some of these people and they've really um, 
they've done a good job of curating how, uh, like what Google searches, like what the results will give you. But if you were reading like Perez Hilton or Gawker, or what would Tyler Durden do? Or like any of these websites during this time, like you, you saw all this on its full ugly display. Yeah. They said basically the most horrific things you could possibly say about another person and especially about women and especially about young women. And that included, you know, children, um, and I feel like it really hit ahead for them in 2008 when Heath Ledger passed away. Yeah, because Mary Kate Olsen. So it was a controversy what what exactly her connection was, but she owned the built she owned the apartment that he was found in. Yes, and she was also on speed dial. So um, his massage therapist was the person, the person found to him. Found, find him and. Uh, so Mary Kate Olsen was the first person who was contacted in the wake of Heath Ledger's, um, passing, which sparked a bunch of conspiracy theories. They were dating. They were together. She they were sold party him animals. drugs, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We can never know. And we don't really know. Yeah. Um, and at the end, I mean, I don't really know too much about it. Like, I don't know that much about their connection. I always assume that the only connection really was that she owned the bill. She owns the not maybe not the building, but just the apartment. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have your landlord's number in your phone, and especially if they're like somebody, you know, rich, famous and cool. Yeah. So but I, I knew that they, you know, had a ton of whatever investments and I'm sure they own all kinds of properties all over New York and. I don't I I never knew really what their what that connection was no so it's in this swirling atmosphere of uh, neoconservative French politics the um, just outrageous uh, insatiable thirst for salacious gossip gossip. um, that was informing this period of history at this time in 2012 Mary Kate is a uh, but a a girl just a a a pink flush girl full of youth and promise of 25 years old Olivier a um, husk of a man at 43 (laughs) they meet at a party yep and sparks fly so they say later and they allegedly begin dating. Yeah. And then uh, 2014, Mary Kate is spotted wearing an engagement ring. Um, and then in 2015, they get married um, in a private ceremony. On, dis- on November 27th. Um, where they pass out bowls and bowls of cigarettes. This is one of my, this is my, maybe my favorite detail about their union together. It's the only thing I know about their, (laughs) (laughs) he is so massive. I I feel like a lot of their relationship, as far as like how it's been portrayed in the press has been in like highlighting the dichotomy between them. She's a very small childlike looking woman yeah and he is a tall old looking he looks like john Kerry. (laughs) (laughs) he does it's like if john veterans for justice it's like if john Kerry was dating a 12 year old is what it looks like i mean she looks so young she does and she truly looks like his daughter and not like his adult daughter like his daughter is picking up from soccer practice yeah it's just what it looks like and it's not saying that it's not saying anything it's just it's just the facts of because the optics. Because they, they are private, you know. The Olsen twins are private people. Yeah. They've closed it. They really have shut it down. 
They've done a great job. And a lot of what we get out of them is there um, are these pictures that people have taken. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite pictures of the two of them together is um, Mary Kate is on the phone. She's got a cigarette burned down to its butt. And uh, he Olivier is walking next to her. And then his like 12 year old daughter is next to him. And she is the same size as his daughter. And uh, she looks like a little gremlin. But she's always the pictures of her with the daughter are so crazy because she's wearing like all black and it's like tight and leather and it looks really expensive. And then she'll just be walking with some kid who's like her exact same height. Yeah. And she looks she's got a childlike face, but she's also kind of aged. It's just it's really weird. It's very it's very, very strange. Like I. And uh, that's what made us want to choose them. So I think like with the, you know, the the series that we are constructing over the next five weeks, Mm -hmm. um, we have to ask, like, what makes Mary Kate Olsen and Olivier Sarkozy a power couple? Okay. So... We already discussed at the top of this episode what a power couple is. It's yes. two people who would have, um, who would excel in life without one another. And when they come together, it makes a dynamic union that it's is so much stronger than that's the sum of its parts. The strong, stronger than the sum of its parts. Okay. So, hmm. Stronger than the sum of its parts. It's that is the question because. Could Mary Kate survive just fine on her own? Of course. Totally. Would we even care about Olivier Sarkozy if he was not married to Mary Kate Olsen? No. I mean, maybe we should, but we wouldn't. We wouldn't. But there are how many Olivier Sarkozy's are there out there in the world? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's... And they're the people who, like, truly, like, write our laws. (laughs) Who run the world, you know? But we don't pay attention. Um, And the only people that know who they are are people who are already rich and famous. (laughs) Yeah. Like her. And we would never, I mean, it, w- it would never cross our mind, but for like certain people, they're going to be running, meeting these people at parties and stuff. What I think draws them together is that she had, she's, I think she's old for her age. I think so too. And like, I don't think that she could be with another 33 year old. Oh my God, no. I mean, who wouldn't have the experience, like who, who couldn't talk to her about like doing deals and, and mergers and acquisitions. I'm just throwing out terms and like stocks and all this fucking shit. Like couldn't talk about that stuff the way that like this guy can. I mean, and if they could, it certainly wouldn't be at that level. Like, yeah, I think it would be really weird to be. I mean, they both dropped out of college. She, both the Olsen twins dropped out of NYU. Yeah. And I think it would. I mean, on the one hand, we we look at that and we're like, oh, they wanted to party. They wanted to whatever. But it's also, I mean, how would... They lapped everybody. How would you... How could you possibly relate to another 18-year-old if you're like, I run a huge company. Yeah. I run this major entertainment company. I could tell every business professor in this fucking university what they're doing wrong. Like, yeah, you're going to give me notes on my short film. Excuse me. Like I've, okay, I'm going to Starbucks. Yeah. Like, fuck you. And uh, they're right. Like I would be like that too. You know? Yeah. It's so, uh, 
got yeah it's so tricky like um how do you really if you, if you were a teacher and you had a student like that like how could you reach them and how could you engage with them it's so i mean it's very difficult like it's so tricky and difficult i feel like um mary kate and olivier probably afford each other access into worlds and communities that they would not be able to get to otherwise well i don't i i do think that the olsen twins have been able to get themselves into a higher echelon of society oh, yeah. than they than you would have assumed they would in the 90s like yeah with, they're like past a list even they're like platinum like they're yeah. like on secret yachts they're like they're illuminati level they're illuminati because they have created these brands that are really well respected in the like fashion world they are throw they are the type of new york society people that are throwing these like strange fundraisers for artists and fashion designers and all kinds of things and they're they're very and it's definitely not because she's married to this guy no my god i mean i do she could be married to anybody she wants if she was like i want to be married to harry styles tomorrow it would happen if If she was like i want to marry the doorman it would be like chic thing um do we think that Mary Kay and Sarkozy have a lasting impact? Yeah, again, like I think that Mary Kay. So obviously Mary Kate's real couple and her power couple is with her sister, Ashley. Like that's the real power couple in terms of like the cult, like American culture and like society. But in terms of like actual high society, pulling strings like uh, as we said like illuminati weird shit yes we've been well whatever but like i i feel like whatever the fuck they're doing whoever they're throwing their money behind i don't know who it is but they're definitely giving their money to somebody and they're i think that people with that kind of money and that kind of influence always have a lasting influence but the reason that you know that they're really powerful is we don't know what it is. Well, and I feel like this brings us to maybe our final question, a question we're going to ask of every single power couple Mm -hmm. during the course of this series. Of course. Is what's the Epstein connection? Okay. So we've, we've run the numbers, AKA done a few Google searches and we haven't found one yet. But not. that doesn't mean one doesn't exist. Yeah. So we are rich. opening up the phone lines. Yes. Comment board. You can call my number. I have a number for this. It's for my private business, but you can use it. It's called. Uh, hag cry. One hag cry. Eight, eight, oh, five. One hag cry. Eight, eight, oh, five. Call that number. Leave a message or text it. Give us a tip. That's our tip line. And it's also my personal business number if you want me to talk shit about your ex-boyfriend for a dollar a minute. But <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> but if you want to use it to leave a tip, one had cry 8805 or email us or hit us up on Instagram and tell us if you know about any connections between the Sarkozy's, the Olsen's, and Epstein because that's what we really want to know. We really, really desperately want to know. Um, well, fi- do you, what are your final thoughts about this uh, dynamic duo? My final thoughts are... I would rather be Ashley. Me too. I think that she, I don't know what her deal is, but I, 
I don't think that this marriage is bad. Like, I don't think that it's bad for Mary Kate. I just think that in general, the whole thing kind of grosses me out. I my impression of the two of them uh, from the research that we've done, from some videos that we've watched, uh, from digging into this relationship is that Mary Kate, for whatever reason, she's the darker of the two. And yeah, I think she, so too. There's like there's dark energy, something really, really heavy hanging over her, and uh it's it's a part of everything and going back i mean if you go back to the pictures from when they're kids you can sort of see it yeah because once you once you can spot the difference you can't not see it when you see them together because i I, before this i couldn't tell the difference between them well and there's a real point where they like start dying like mary kate dyes her hair kind of like a darker darker and and, and ashley is blonde ashley's kind of the perkier one yeah and there's this point where they like physically really like that you know um uh there's a real fork in the road yeah between the two of them there's a departure there is a departure and uh i don't think i think that that's something that probably won't be explored for a really long time and i do like wish these women their like privacy and their dignity and like their you know autonomy when it comes to telling their own stories of but course I, but, I mean if anyone has autonomy to tell their own story it's them god also it to them please yeah and also um i don't think that they're interested in telling their own story i do think that w- one of the things that sort of saved them from becoming tabloid fodder in the way that like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton did at the, around that time is that this life was sort of thrust upon them. And I don't know if it necessarily matches either of their personalities. Like they both ended up sort of like they kind of fell into glamorous professions and glamorous lifestyles, but they, they went a very like sophisticated way with it and they didn't, they haven't, they don't seek the spotlight at all. No. Um, and I, I think it's because I don't know if they turned four and their parents said, do you want to be an actor? They would have said yes. So I don't know that telling their story through any type of like public medium, if writing a movie or a book or a tell all or whatever, I don't know if that's something that would even interest them. Cause I don't know if they, I don't know if they really would want to be public people. No, I, I, I get the sense that they don't, which is why I think that anything that we would learn about their private lives is, will happen like a long time in the future. Like the presidents. Exactly. Like, you know, we will learn about it after the fact, after the fact. Well, and honestly, except for we won't because we're the same age as them. So, I mean, it's not like, and Olivier oh. to me seems like a bumbling fool. I mean, those pictures are just so fucked up. They're really fucked up. And I think that he's like the laughing stock of his family. I think so too. And I think that she somehow rises above it. But they are a power couple because they're both really rich. They're both super connected and they're both like high society people. And as far as we can tell, they have no connection to, to Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. And that makes them okay in my book. That's all it takes. That is all it takes. At as long point, if you're not in the black book, you are in our book. That's just the way the experts roll. That's well, right. Maggie. Well, Irene, this has been another great episode. Another fabulous jaunt. A jaunt. Um, if you like this podcast, 
why don't you do us a damn favor and rate it? Five stars. Five stars only, please, of course. Share it. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Tell your mom. Tell your doctor. Tell your, you know, billionaire, 17-year-old, your senior husband. Tell my imaginary friend, Magrita. Or my imaginary friend, Masas. <laughs> <laughs> Tell them about this podcast and follow us on Instagram at theexpert69 or on Twitter, also theexpert69. Um, and have a great life. We and love you. we'll see you next week where we're talking about... Oprah, Oprah and Gail. Oh my God. We can't wait. We're so, so excited for this one. Okay, we're All really right. psyched to talk about Oprah and Gail. I can't wait. Okay. All right, we love you. Bye. Bye.